Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. Merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store, and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello and welcome to the Sports History Network Showcase, our in-house show featuring SHN podcasters talking sports, talking history, and talking sports history. My name is Oz Davis, host of the Sports History Network's Truth of the Ghost podcast. And joining us on this episode of the Showcase is Dana Auguster, host of Historically Speaking Sports here on the Sports History Network. Dana, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, man. Glad to uh, be here, man. I've been looking forward to doing this with you for a while. So let me ask you this. According to your bio on the website, like me, you're coming out of the newspaper tradition, but you're not exactly in a major market. So what were you covering for the Morgan City, Louisiana Daily Review? Mainly high school sports, a little bit of LSU, a little bit of Tulane sports, um, that sort of thing. It was a small daily newspaper. Uh, mainly, they had five or six high schools within the area, which was, you know, they had, they were, it's basically that that area is mainly high school football and actually high school baseball was like the main sports that was um, contested in an area where they have powerhouses in both in that area. So a lot of it was high school baseball, high school football, and a lot of high school stuff. Every now and then I would go to an LSU game to cover it, especially if we had like a, a local guy that came, that went to one of those schools and I would cover them, you know, do a feature story on them, that sort of thing. So that's where I got my start pretty much. So how did you get into sports history? I mean, basically on your show, you're covering, you know, college level and up. How'd you get into that then? Well, it was a sports history has been a interest of mine ever since I was like about nine, 10 years old. Um, I can remember when I was like in elementary school, like going to the library, whenever we have like library day at school and going straight to nonfiction and the, the sports uh, section of the library and just reading up on everything that I could get my hands on. Um, mm. It was it, it, that's where it really got started. And then along the way, it kind of grew into something even bigger and it, over time. And that's something that I've always had a major, major interest in as a kid growing up. Are you reading anything these days? As of right now, I'm not reading anything because I have a lot of different things going on, you know, with the podcast and other things going on work-wise. But um, as of right now, no, but I need to get back to kind of like, <laughs> you know, get my juices flowing and get my fix. You know what I mean? So, you know, with someone who likes to read, especially sports history, you need that fix every now and then. And I haven't really found anything as of yet. 
What are some of your favorites? Um, as far as like books are concerned, one of my favorite all time books is the is the autobiography of Red Arvac called Let Me Tell You a Story. Huh? No kidding. And that is a really, really good book. Uh, like I said, I love all kinds of sports. I love reading a whole lot of different things. There's another book that I read years ago. And, you know, when I lived in Louisiana, now we live in Atlanta. And it kind of got lost in the move. But uh, the name, I forgot who wrote it. But it was a book called The Minority Quarterback. And it took and it was an interesting choice for me because it took place at the same time I went to Southern University. Southern University, as you all know, is a historical black college and university. And the book is about Jaco- uh, Marcus Jacoby, who was a white quarterback playing quarterback at Southern University. And this happened at the time I was there. So it tells about his story, where he came from, his experiences playing quarterback at, at a predominantly black university as a white quarterback. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, that is that is. So I'll have to check that one out. So how did you come to start doing podcasting? Is this your first podcast? What you do for us? Well, yeah, this is the first. It was a very interesting story how I got started over a number of years. I had a, I started doing started as a as a blog that I would write every now and then, you know, about sports history. But it but I have a tendency that when I write, especially about sports history, is that I'm I'm long winded. So. Some of my friends just asked me, say, dude, why don't you do a podcast? And I was been kind of sitting on the fence about it, you know, for about a couple of years. Like, yeah, I would do one. Do I have time to do one? Do I have, you know, kind of devote that kind of time to it? You know, that sort of thing. So and as it turns out, one of my friends was like, D, you got to do one because you know too much stuff. You can sit down there and tell a story about anything in sports history to me and to all of us, why don't you just do one and just see how it goes, you know? So right around that time, I started doing some things on Twitter, you know, like posting different things on Twitter every day about sports history, this date in sports history, that sort of thing. And as it turned out, one particular day, this is right around Thanksgiving time, last Thanksgiving, I get a message through Twitter and it's from Jeremy McFarlane. He was like, hey, I need you. I would like to have you on the show just to talk about your interests and that sort of thing. So I'm like, cool. I mean, I, I, I text him back like in about two seconds. Of course, I said, yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. I'm on. I'm on. So I got on with him and started talking about, you know, the topic that we were going to talk about was the Saints-Falcons rivalry because I live in Atlanta, but I grew up in Louisiana. So I've seen a rivalry on both sides. And I... We started talking and we started talking about that and he started talking about Hurricane Katrina. And I mentioned that I went to a historical black college and I saw Steve McNair play when he was in college. And and it just evolved into something. And it, it was like a really, really cool experience for me on his show. And he asked me, it's like, you know, you got, you know, you got. You know, experience in writing. I've also have experience in radio doing this. And he was like. You know, I like your case. I like your style, I like your enthusiasm, you know, so he kind of talked me into doing this, you know, in a roundabout <laughs> way, not talk, not trying to talk me into it. But my experience on his show was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And and so that's how it turned out. That's how I, how I, how I got started. I had so much fun on his show that I decided, look, I'm going to go ahead and do mine. I'm going to go ahead and do one. So that so right around the Super Bowl is when I dropped my first episode and I've been going ever since. 
Sports History Network proudly presents the newest member of the collection of podcasts dedicated to examining sports from back in the day, the Historically Speaking Sports Podcast. This is the show that explains the history of your favorite sport one week at a time. I am your host, Let's Dana talk Ogunjari. about your podcast here at the Sports History Network. What's the philosophy? What's the methodology? Well, historically speaking, sports is a something that I just kind of uh, put together. I want it to be both kind of dealing with current events, but putting a historical spin on current events. Like, for example, we're talking about like like the one like the show that just dropped um, today. Actually, um, I talked about. The, all of the final fours that took place in Indianapolis going all the way back to 1980. And I kind of touch on every single one, all eight, well, seven previous uh, final fours that took place in Indianapolis. And I kind of do that. And then through my Twitter, I post something on Twitter, uh, two or three things every day on Twitter, sometimes more on certain like and like certain sporting events that had anniversaries on that particular day. And I kind of build my show around those things. You know, as well as putting a historical spin on stuff that's happening right now in sports. So that's where the methodology, that's where the philosophy comes in. And plus, it's, you know, trying to make it fast paced, trying to make it interesting, you know, that sort of thing. So that's where it comes from. Yeah, it's also very structured. Yeah, I try. I mean, with an experience, I mean, I had experience in radio, you know, did, you know, going all the way back to my college days, I was in radio from this is going back 1996 I was when I got started and I all the way through 2011 I had been doing radio on the side of you know along with a uh, newspaper I had I had a radio show for a time and that sort of thing so it was you know I was kind of like dabbling in both and the you know the in the, the the shows that I did you know that's where I got a lot of the ideas from that's where a lot of my experience comes from from radio and newspaper so so the, the 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 structure of it is kind of like what you would normally see in a kind of a old school type of radio show that you would hear like every day. You know, very structured, different breaks and that sort of thing. And I kind of want to do that to keep the you know keep you know keep it going, keep it flowing, make it interesting, that sort of thing. But without too much man behind the curtain kind of stuff, what sort of preparatory research do you do? For well, a lot of it is just like on the fly type of things. You know, like some most like maybe. 50% of it is stuff that I already know offhand. Some of it I just do some research on, on different places or whatever. Um, it's like, okay, like I would kind of like quiz myself on like, okay, when when did this, I knew this took place, but I'm just trying to figure out when did it take place. And different places where I go daily to get like the Today in Sports History type of deal. Um, you know, and, and basically that's where I get it from. Just a lot of it is just, you know, like like, for example, there's one place I go that talks about today, today in history. And they got broken down into different today in history and music, today in music and today in world history, today in U.S. history. And they got sports. And I go down to that that particular point and I read through different things and pick out different things. And I'm like, oh, OK, this happened today. So I could put that on there. And then when the show comes around, what I would do is just take one or two things that I find the most interesting that happened during the past the last seven days and build a show around that or then just find one thing, one major thing and talk and use that as a main event or main use as a shout out, that sort of thing. So that's where a lot of it comes from. 
Okay, so, so far you're covering various events, various happenings, teams, even rules in, let's say, the big four of North American sports. You've got some college basketball in there, of course. We'll, we'll talk about the final four in just a moment here. But do you have a favorite sport or a favorite league or, or anything? Well, people ask me that all the time, and I say, <laughs> what's my favorite sport? I say, whichever one is going on right now. Uh-huh. All right. I like the attitude. Will you give us a tease of an upcoming episode of Historically Speaking Sports? Well, one well, one particular show that I'm in process of doing right now is coming up within the next month or so. Um, I'm going to be talking with the MVP of the 2007 College World Series from LSU, Jared Mitchell. He's going to be a, a guest of mine in a couple of weeks. Um, cause we're going to be talking about that being a native of LA, being a native of Louisiana, watching him play both baseball and he played back, you know, he played football for a short time for Nick Saban when he was, a, when he was at LSU. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that coming up, um, a little bit of NBA stuff in between. Uh, so, and the one that just, and, and the one that just dropped today, we're talking about the history of the final four in Indianapolis. So we got a lot of different things coming up, a lot of things in the hopper that's coming up pretty soon. So check it out and stay tuned. Okay. Well, let's talk briefly about the final four. We're recording this on Monday, uh, the Monday of the finals, the uh, 5th of April. And, uh, okay, so, of course, we've got Gonzaga versus Baylor. Gonzaga survived UCLA uh, in overtime with a nice near-half-court shot uh, by a guy who is a prospective, what, top two or three player in the NBA. Yeah, prospective and, lottery pick, Mr. Suggs, you're right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, God, he's so clutch, isn't he? And uh, he's probably going to get that MVP if, if Gonzaga completes the undefeated uh, season. And now uh, I think no 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 cut you off right there. If if, if Drew Timmy has another great mm-hmm. game like he did the other night, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the MVP other than Suggs because he's been he's one of the most diverse and one of the most vertus, versatile big men I've seen in the college game, maybe since Kyle Singler of of Duke, mm-hmm. you know. And he won it in 2010 when they beat Baylor in Indianapolis. So, I mean, you see a lot of this, this, this big man, Drew Timmy for Gonzaga is very, very clutch, but they got to win it first. And I think that, um, going up against Baylor, you know, Baylor is maybe the most defensive oriented basketball team in that on college that I've seen in years. I mean, they are so fundamentally sound defensively. Is going to be basically your classic immovable force against the irresistible object type of deal tonight. So, but isn't Gonzaga going to be all about live by the three, die by the three, as usual? I mean, basically, if they're hitting, they're going to win, right? If they, I mean, the, the one thing about Baylor that is not really stated, and I really saw this in their semifinals against Houston, was that they really closed out really quickly on three point shooters. So they're going to have to. You know, they're going to have to play that inside-out game, mainly inside. They might, You know, they usually, Gonzaga, from what I can tell, go inside-out. But I think tonight they're probably going to have to go outside-in, you know, kind of change things up a little bit to deal with Baylor, especially if they're closing out on their shooters quickly, like they, you know, like they did Saturday night against Houston. Right. All right. So now we can hold you to that because this particular episode is actually going to come out after the game is in. 
Yeah. 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 I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> I, I always say I'm great at making predictions, except in sports, politics, and the weather. Everything else, I'm awesome. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty <laughs> appropriate with everybody. I mean, like, when it comes down to predictions, I tell people, don't go by what I say. You know, and I've been yeah. accused by a lot of my friends. Oh, the reason why you picking that because you're using history as a as a, as a as a as a thermometer or whatever. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Just don't bank on it for me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just I mean, don't follow me too too closely. You know, because I am guilty of that. I'm not even gonna lie. I am guilty of that from time to time. Okay, let's go down the wormhole briefly. You brought it up, so let's talk about this. Do you believe that such a thing as a losing culture exists and a winning culture for that matter? To a point, I think, to a point, it does. Um, take, for example, I'm just going to use this as an example. I'm a Chargers fan deep down. I am a big, huge Chargers fan. And is there a losing culture with the Chargers? I don't think so. But it just seemed like sometimes they just get in, get in, get to get in the way of themselves. You know, um, you think of a losing culture. I think of Cincinnati, the Bengals. You know, they've been losing for years and years and years, but they just need just like an attitude change or whatever. And in winning culture, you got the Yankees, you have the Patriots, you have the Lakers, you know, the Celtics. I mean, they have a winning culture. So there is there's something there. But I think that at times we make a little bit too much of it. But there is something there that I guess that maybe if a person is, say, drafted there or goes there in free agency or whatever, artists traded there they're like oh god we're going to here you know i have no chance of winning or whatever <laughs> you know as opposed to somebody getting you know getting traded to the yankees or traded to new england or traded to Tampa, you know trade to any whoever else um they're like oh we have a chance so they may put out a little bit more you know they may do a little bit more so there is something there but i think that maybe as a culture we put too much emphasis on that. Well, we also put a lot of emphasis on coaching and front office. And that also kind of snowballs. You know, you're right with the, especially with the front office, you know, like you got some, you got some people in pro sports that either try too hard or try to put their own stamp on it. You know, I've heard somebody say this. I said that nobody in the history of sport had ever gone to a stadium to see the owner. You know, it's the players that make everything. And, and, and the owners want to be like, wants to be, the fans to know, okay, I'm the one who put this together, whatever. But fans don't care, you know. But that's how that's, that's how that's how teams can get messed up, you know, when the owner meddles too much. Sometimes it works. Especially if you have an owner that knows what he's doing, i.e. Al Davis for a time, because he used to coach. Right. But, I mean, I remember covering the Raiders during the 90s. Uh, I'm sorry, during the aughts in their decline when they were right. just useless. And, for example, what they would do is I, I, I read a couple of interviews with players would be like, yeah, we'd be like in spring training. And then all of a sudden there's two new guys on the sidelines and nobody knows who they are. You know, they're just like assistant to the assistant, assistant coach. 
you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> right, right. And that sort of thing happens all over. Right. You know? But it's an example of, of bad hiring. And the thing is, now they've streamlined it because they gave Gruden every job there is possible. Plus, they don't have any money. They ran out of money to pay salaries because of so many losing seasons. So stuff like this can snowball. You know, I've also I also covered the Lions when they were drafting a receiver every year that washed out, and then the end result of this is Rod Marinelli coaching them to 0 and 16. So it, so there so like I said, having a losing culture, having a winning culture. I mean, having you know, those those two things do exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but I think that in a number of cases, sometimes there's a possible there's a thing of trying too hard, you know, and, and trying to find that big as far as like other franchises, they just walk into championships. Yeah, I mean, like, they stumble into them while others like the Bengals or the Lions or the Chargers. We're still waiting, you know, to find that right mix. Now, my Chargers have come close several times, you know, over the years and been disappointed right at the end. But, you know. It's, it's like we have a winning culture. It's there. But it's one of those things where we're waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly. I remember the one. I mean, I'm sure you don't want to be reminded of it, but I always think of it is, um, you know, they go 14 and 2. 2007. Yeah. Have, I believe they still have LaDainian Tomlinson at this point, right? Yeah, they still, no, Tomlinson was there. Tomlinson almost, was, almost got into a fight after the game. <laughs> with, um, I forgot who with. But he was they were doing the, the the lights out dance on the fifty yard line, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, bro, yeah, go go after him, bro. You know, you don't do that to us. You know, I was just that upset after the game. That was like the last time I was really really upset after a Chargers loss. Oh yeah, wow. And we were better than New England. You could sit there and say what you want. We were better than New England. Well, they could have been. They would have been in the Super Bowl. They would. And the guy fumbles the. And we would end up playing the Bears in the Super Bowl. Yeah, fumbles the interception. <laughs> What? In any case, actually, this brings up another question. What do you make of this report that one of the co-owners is suing the other one because of this massive debt that they've piled up because nobody in Los Angeles cares about the Chargers? What do you make of all that? Well, first of all, I just thought that moving out of San Diego was a mistake. I, that's what I thought. I thought that in the beginning. Like, I understand you trying to grow the franchise and what's not, but you have a very, and, 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 you know, you can see both sides of the argument, really, because you have one, you, you've been the only team in Southern California since 1994, okay? And you haven't really capitalized on that, really. You ha- you kind of tried, but it, you know, no, but it didn't really work. San Diego, the Chargers are the, was the first pro franchise in San Diego. So why leave? Okay, just build a new stadium, you know. But trying to build a new stadium, the Padres had been trying to build a new stadium for a decade until Petco Park was built, you know. But for some reason, he just could not get a new stadium deal done in San Diego. And the Chargers ended up moving to L.A. And then now you're facing this huge debt. You know, Dean Spanos is, you know, a lot of people, he's like one of the worst owners or one of the most hated owners in all the sport by their fan base. And I understand why, you know, you know, I remember one when somebody said, if you want to see a sellout, look in the mirror. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's been it's been one of those it's one of those things where. 
again, with us, sometimes we just can't seem to get out of our own way. We drafted a future elite quarterback in Justin Herbert, right? And now you got this, you know? Yeah, for me, the thing about the Chargers is, okay, realistically speaking, look, the truth is San Diego, not a great sports bar. It's really, you're right, it's not. It's really not. Awesome weather. If you're really into sports, you go, you might go see a baseball game. But odds are you're going to the beach, man. The whole city is on the beach. You know, It's like, right. why would you go to a basketball game? When, you know, again, you can, I mean, I love, and plus there's a lot of other stuff to do in San Diego as well. So it's not a great sports town, but geez, I mean, even the Rams coming back to LA was tricky because yeah, guys, my age, Generation X folks, they remember the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. So they're ready to move right Mm -hmm. back in with them. But otherwise, dude, the Raiders are so entrenched in california you know and maybe to some extent the 49ers are your team but it's just like yeah the chargers had no chance no chance no i mean you know the chargers moving to la i was like yeah they spent that one year in la and why did they move why did they stay there just one year because nobody was going to see him play because the Rams were there, and Rams were way more popular. So they ended up moving yeah. to San Diego. San Diego is a, is a bad sports market, I mean, for obvious reasons that you just laid yeah. out. It can't be no worse than Atlanta, <laughs> where I am right now. But that's another thing. But that's a totally different reason why Atlanta's a bad really? sports why market. Really? Why is Atlanta a bad sports market? I would love to hear this. I mean, you have all four sports, right? The Flames are still there, right? Or No, wait, they moved back to Calgary. Yeah, Atlanta had the, the Thrashers, the Atlanta Thrashers. That's right. That's and they moved to Winnipeg and became the Jets. You know, they just rebranded them the Jets. Um, but Atlanta is a city where not too many sports fans, many people that hear that are sports fans are not from here. Atlanta is a very transient city. In other words, there's a lot of people come from a lot of different places that's here. And plus, Atlanta has been snake bit so often by their teams getting right up to a championship and then losing (laughs) for inexplicable reasons. The Braves of the 90s winning only one World Series. Yeah. You know, and that one World Series, they they nearly gave away. Not to mention what happened in the Super Bowl against New England. (laughs) That was classic. (laughs) You know, because I kept when I was watching that game, I watched it with some friends and I said, you y'all better keep scoring and scoring and scoring because if you don't and start getting cute, New England's gonna come back and take it from you. And sure enough, that's what happened. And Atlanta is is just a bad sport. It's a, it, on its face, you would think it has a great sports market, but it's really not. The wow. Falcons are up and down. The Hawks are mainly down. You know. And when they are winning, nobody cares. <laughs> that, that that's the crazy thing about yeah, it. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird because. For a long time, the South in general was so starved for major league sports that the Dallas Cowboys were, the, were their favorite team. Yeah, it, it still is. That's, that's still the case now. Okay, you're in the Atlanta area. So let's talk about the recent decision by Major League Baseball to pull Atlanta, to pull the All Star game from Atlanta. What's your take on that? I think that. 
pulling the all-star game was something that I thought was eventually going to happen that major league baseball, cause we've seen it mm-hmm. before, you know, cause the NBA did a very similar thing in North Carolina, pulling, pulling the all-star game out of Charlotte. But I forgot for what, I think it was for the bathroom bill or whatever, mm-hmm. but I kind of saw that happening in, in Atlanta. Um, and which is, a, I think is going to be a really big blow because, because, Atlanta's still trying to show off their new stadium, their new ballpark, Truist Park. Um, it's a beautiful stadium. I've never been in there yet, but it's a beautiful ballpark. And I think that is, is going to hurt them in, in that way. Um, but it was something that I, you know, I kind of saw coming. Do I agree with it? Yes and no. Um, I do agree with it for the optics of it, you know. Cause it, cause, cause Major League Baseball and then Coke is trying to do something and then Delta's based here and Delta's thinking about doing something. So there's a lot of things that's going on with that. Um, do I think that, um, is it going to be, it, it's going to be detrimental, obviously, to the economy here. But as far as the optics of it, I don't think it's really going to do much. You know, I really don't. I think, I mean, again, I'm on the fence about it. I think it's a good idea, but then to get, but at the same time, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to promote or put across or, or whatever? Because you could do this and people are going to be mad about it, but on the bottom line, what's it really going to do? So that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. All right. Dana Augusta, host, producer of the Historically Speaking Sports Podcast here at Sports History Network. Thanks for joining us today. Man, thank you for having me. And this was fun. This has been the Sports History Network Showcase Podcast. We'd like to thank our guest, John Aguster of the Historically Speaking Sports Podcast, which is available through sportshistorynetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The theme song for the SHN Showcase is Quartz by Anitech, and it is available through a fair use agreement via freemusicarchive.org. SHN Showcase will be back soon with another Sports History Network podcast. Until then, this is Oz Davis saying stay safe and stay historical. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude. And I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and were able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history. But as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment. You know that. Can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website. But we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, Or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website. Seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sports, 
HistoryNetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter, because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to SportsHistoryNetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me, and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.